For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. By this time, we have already executed the roundtable today, but not today. Today, a later start. Uh, I don't know, maybe it's special. Maybe it's like playoffs. It's right at the end, the end of the summer. Yeah, we just change it up. But we got the band back together. I could not be more excited for this. It is time to talk to Brendan Winnett and Brian Geisinger. Uh, back in the day, we called these guys the League Pass Lair. Uh, nowadays, we just call them friends. Uh, Brendan Winnett at HU Cosell on Twitter. I don't know if you're on threads yet or not. Uh, if you are, I'm sure it's the same. Uh, and Geis underscore bird for Brian. Gentlemen, I appreciate both your times. Uh, we got uh, NBA basketball and maybe a little college uh, to work with. Oh, I didn't even think about playing the uh, the tease. Gosh, I'm so good at this. It's like the first day of the show. That's Brendan. Uh, I assume Brian is there uh, as well. All right, let's get to it. I'll start with you, Brendan, since I can see your face. Uh, Brian's uh, too pretty to be on TV. Um, (laughs) The uh, Brandon Miller, Summer League, eh, not playing anymore Summer League, fine, got no problem with it. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about what you have seen so far. Uh, it's been, it's been, you know, a mixed bag as you, as you kind of get with, with the younger players. Uh, you mentioned he's not playing. Scoot's not playing either. Uh, now well, Scoot got hurt. Happen. Well, yeah, but like he's, he only played, he, he played like uh, a couple games and he, I, if this were a regular season, I do wonder if he'd be playing like them shutting him down. Like he shut him down pretty early. Like he was, I don't know if you, you caught him on the sidelines, but he was pretty animated uh, as he was watching that game right. on the sidelines. So I was wondering if this was a case where, you know, it's, it's, it's somebody that you know who's going to be on your roster. Uh, you know, he was able to, he played really, really well in, in limited minutes. He had in like three quarters of his last game. He had, I think, a 15, five and six stat line. Right. Um, but, but Miller, I mean, Miller has shown the ability to hit the outside shot. He's shown the ability to take some guys off of the dribble. I try not to get too caught up into summer league, trying to extrapolate what that means for, um, for players moving forward. There are some guys that I take more of a, a harder look at, and those are usually the guys that aren't rookies, but are maybe the undrafted guys I, that maybe I had an eye on, but like book James book night for the Hornets went for 28, I think right. the other night. And that's the kind of stuff that I look for, for a guy that's really kind of teetering on the edge of whether or not he's going to be with the Hornets uh, long-term. He's shown flashes of stuff has, has struggled defensively. But I always try to temper whatever my expectations are. You know, when 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 Wimby goes for two for nine or three or or, or whatever that that poor shooting stat line was, <laughs> I try not to take too much of that into it either. Because like, hey, I know he's the best prospect since whatever. But like, let's summer summer league can you know you're in the desert. It can give you some some delusions a little bit, and, and it's important to kind of measure all of that stuff. Not to mention you you're not playing with the same players you're going to play. Uh, you're going right. to play with. Uh, there's there have to be some nerves involved. Let me go to Brian. There's no incentive for winning. Yeah. It's, it's oh a weird, gosh, the games it's, are. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a weird place. The games are terrible. 
Uh, anyway, let me let me ask Brian this. Um, first of all, because I'm I'm curious when you said you compared it to, when Brendan compared it to Scoot. Like I understand fans are going to be doing that. I'm not I'm not sure I care. Um, you know, to me, it's all about. I hope both guys are great. Uh, but I don't I don't know that it matters to me if Scoot is great. Uh, I think I think uh, Miller was the right pick for Charlotte. What did, Brian? What did you see uh, from him? And is the comparison to Scoot okay? I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. I just I just hadn't processed it that way. What do you think, Brian? The well, first off, as I've said numerous times, uh, I mean, I think Scoot should have definitely been the pick. I think he was the okay, the far superior prospect. I, I like Miller, um, but. I think the Hornets uh, really swung and missed um, without drafting Scoot. But as far as Miller goes, like, I mean, prior to the game, uh, the last game he played uh, at Summer League against Portland, he looked pretty bad. <laughs> like, he really struggled in the games in Sacramento, in the first couple of games out in Vegas. And I think some people thought maybe he was fatigued, and that's something to, to take into consideration. He certainly had good moments. But he really struggled with the outside shot. Um, he has not been, you know, routinely able to take guys off the dribble when when uh, post guys have switched out onto him. And when he's faced drop coverage in the pick and roll, he's leaned really, really heavily on the runner. And touch just hasn't been there for him. Right. Um, a big part of Miller's finishing package at Alabama, and he struggled finishing in the paint and at the rim in the half court, especially was he had to use his length to finish over guys because he doesn't. He's not a separation guy. You know, like we. We've talked about this before with someone like Chris Middleton. Like they don't they don't get buckets by just like you know creating space. They get it by shooting over the top of guys. Um, and for Miller, that that's the case. You know, both in the mid range and from deep in at the rim. I think he was bothered some trying to finish over the top of guys in the paint. Like that advantage is not quite the same as it was at Alabama versus you know even playing sort of like you know quasi NBA basketball in summer league, but. I think for the most part, he'd be also passed pretty well. Um, he showed some of the vision. He showed some of the pick and roll, uh, ability. He showed some of the team defensive flashes. Like I'm pretty optimistic about Miller as like an NBA player, but I think it's like a little tough of a start when <laughs> the three got the guys, guys drafted after him, like Eman Thompson, Star Thompson, Dude Henderson, Jairus Walker. Like all of those guys <laughs> looked better than he did in uh, in summer league, so it's a little tough. But um, you know, I think Miller is a good player going forward for the Hornets. Um, and, and my my thought would also be like, you know, once he gets to play with Lamelo Ball and Gordon Hayward and uh, PJ Washington, assuming the Hornets do the wise thing and bring him back <laughs> in restricted free agency, like that's going to help Miller out a lot as like a secondary creator for the Hornets. Hi, Brian Geisinger and Brendan Witted joining us here uh, on the Adam Gold Show. That was as close to a disagreement as I think you guys have had uh, in terms of players. <laughs> but let, 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 me, let me just follow that up, Brian, about um, Scoot versus Miller. And I'm not – look, I advocated for Miller mostly because I just don't see how Scoot, who needs the ball, and LaMelo Ball, who needs the ball, can both have the ball. They can't share it. That's illegal. So we can't both have it and and go down the court. I'm pretty sure that's a violation. So how would it have worked out? Because I think Brendan, you you and I definitely talked about it. I am not a Lamelo Ball. I am not a the future is Lamelo Ball guy. I think the future is somebody else. 
I'm not saying LaMelo Ball is not a good player. I just don't see him as a guy that is going to win titles with you. Um, and I would have been willing to. Case, though, but, Gold, if that's the case, then you should have drafted Scoot Henderson. Right. No, no, I, I agree. Like, I agree. But, thing, but, like, but we knew they were going to give LaMelo that deal, $260 million over you know, five years. Well, it's it's really ultimately it's gonna it's probably gonna end up being like two hundred million. Like he's only gonna hit the two sixty if he qualifies. If like he wins MVP, oh, okay. Team. It's like well, one of the All NBA teams. That's what triggers the thirty percent. Right. You said max, not the 25%. only. I just want on the record that Brian said <laughs> only two hundred million. Okay. I like two hundred million. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's a twenty two year old All Star. Um, and the way those two those guys would have fit. And look, like I know it's one like it's. You, you, it's impossible to take egos out of this, and it's right. impossible to just say, like, just treat players as, like, recognized items. Like, these are people with personalities yeah. and, 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 and confidence issues and, like, all the in sort of uh, visions for what their career is supposed to look like. But what I would say is this. One, LaMelo is an incredible spot-up shooter. 41% for his career on catch-and-shoot three. It's a monster number on a ton of volume. You would have just said, hey, take 10 of those a game. Um, you would have staggered their minutes. And both guys are good off-ball players. Scoot Henderson's a really good cutter. He doesn't shoot it well from deep now, but he will eventually. And ultimately, like, if you're going to win a title, you need multiple ball handlers. You need multiple creators. And that's still, I suppose, like, I shouldn't just say title. I should say, like, to be, like, a, a contender or a good playoff. Right. You need those. You need the, that kind of, like, uh, setup and perhaps, like, Brandon Miller as like a you know six nine jumbo wing pick and roll creator maybe maybe the Hornets do have that I I have my doubts but um, the other thing with Lamelo too is as good as he is he's awesome like he's an incredible shooter he is a visionary in terms of his open floor passing and just his in general his playmaking and his uh, feel for the game and his anticipation is all incredible he really struggles to beat guys consistently off the dribble and finish through contact in the paint in the half court. And that's something that Scoot Henderson, even though he has, it's maybe not like a strength of his just yet. He has the ability to touch the paint every time Mm -hmm. he wants. And like, he's getting better as a finisher. And so I think those two guys would have fit really, really nicely because right now, if LaMelo is your best player, I think your, your half court offense is going to be limited in a playoff setting. You can still build a top 10 offense around LaMelo. The Hornets did that two seasons ago when they were number six in the NBA in offensive efficiency. But my thought would just be ultimately you're going to need a guy that can consistently get into the paint, beat his guy off the dribble, create fouls and finish in the paint. And like Scoot Henderson projects to be that. Um, and I, so I think ultimately they, there's a way you could have found a way for those two guys to bounce off one another. Uh, but you know, that's near here, not here nor there, uh, at this point. Gosh, it sounds so logical when you said it. And, uh, now I'm mad that I didn't think about it. Uh, Brandon, I, you and I have to, we have to talk about something else now because I feel, uh, I feel inferior. <laughs> uh, Brendan Winnett and Brian Geisinger are here, uh, as part of our round table. Uh, where's James Harden's best landing spot, Brendan? I mean, for a long time, I thought it was going to be, I, I thought that, We've been hearing the Rockets rumors for a really long time. Uh, and I just really kind of never believed it because it just, I don't know, you, it's, it's, it's kind of. Adam Gold here with my man, Coach Pete Deruta, Capital Financial Advisory Group. Are most of your clients hands-on or they just give you their money and let it work for them? 
about 90%, give the money, and then we meet every year and go through status reports, sure. have a financial pit stop, making sure everything's fine. It is like a puzzle, Adam, but for the next 10 of you, we'll solve your own retirement puzzle at no cost or obligation. Call and claim your comprehensive review with Coach Pete and the team, 888-843-0013, or text Adam to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. That's not usually how a player's career goes. Right. Usually it's, hey, I've done a lot of individual stuff. I want to win more. He got a little bit of a taste of winning with Philadelphia. I, you know, they had to look, neither he nor NB play well in that game seven, right? Like, I mean, that it, it is what it is. But he also did lead the league in assists yeah. and, and, and he won them two games, right? Like, he, he, right. he had two monster games. I honestly thought that playing alongside MB made the most sense. Now, I, I, I really don't know. It seems like he really wants out. So, like, he wants to go somewhere else. Uh, oof. <laughs> Man, I mean, I mean, yeah, like I, like I just, I, I really don't. I, it just, it makes so much more sense to play with them. Be to have that sort of a pick and roll player. If, if I, if you take away all the things that we've seen the last couple of years, that's where I would have picked for him. Um, I mean, if he wants to go play with the right, if you, that's the other thing. What's important to him? Like, right. is it, is it that you want to just go and have fun and do other things other than win? Because even with Harden, the Rockets aren't going to, aren't making that leap. So if you have other things in mind, if that sort of stuff Brian alluded to earlier, these are people, right? Like, and mm-hmm. so just because basketball is what we know them for and what, what we love watching them for, it doesn't mean that's necessarily the top of mind for them about where they, where they end up uh, going to work, which is what this is, them going to work. And so if that's where he wants to be, fine. But I'm just, I'm, I guess I'm just surprised that, that this is the, the career arc that we're, that we're getting for, for a player that seemed like he was, more interested in winning, especially now with the there have been talks about Phoenix and stuff before they brought on Bill. Like I, I, I guess I'm just a little surprised that that he doesn't want to. They wouldn't want to stay there. I'm just going to declare the uh, the process a failure. Uh, we trusted the process. There's only one player left from from the process, and one player brought in from a trade of a player who was part of the process. Now apparently wants out too. I don't. Know, it's just just Joel Embiid. Uh, left at the end. Brian, your guy, Chris Paul, I read mm-hmm. yesterday that he still thinks that he can start next to Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. I mean, I guess he could, but will he? And if he doesn't, how much do we really expect him to play in Golden State? So, I mean, I think over the course of the regular season, he'll end up starting some games just because guys miss time and, yeah. you know, Steve Kerr will, you know, uh, mix up the lineups here and there. And if they go small, you know, in theory, they could start Chris Paul, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, and Draymond Green, right? Mm-hmm. Which, like, at times, Steve Kerr has been reluctant to sort of, like, outright start Draymond at five when that, that lineup is his best and he kind of wants it as his, like, ace in the hole in lieu of yeah. having Kevon Looney at the five. So, like, my thought is, like, eventually, like, Chris will settle into a uh, like a super sub role. He'll be a spot starter for them. He'll close some games for them too. Because my guess is that they'll they'll go small to close some games um, and and finish with that lineup that I was just mentioning. But yeah, I mean, I could see there. I could see parts of the season where if Clay Thompson's missing a, a game or two, then it's Chris and Steph starting in the backcourt, right? And along with Wiggins, Draymond, and Kevon Looney. So I think ultimately, like, he'll still play a decent amount of minutes. He'll be able to get more rest than he has in previous seasons. Um, 
I don't know. Like those comments were definitely like they, you know, just I think given the sort of like, uh, you know, prickly nature of the relationship between Paul and the Warriors going back for a decade <laughs> now, like it does add sort of like some weirdness to the relationship. And I think it would have been able, it would have maybe would have soothed some of the concerns if he comes out and says like. Yeah, I'm cool. Like, yeah, no problem. Like, I'm the sixth man. Bring me up, bring me off the bench. But like, I would also just say like, I, it would have surprised me if he had done that too. Like, people were <laughs> oh, yes. surprised. Like, this guy's been like one of the best players in the world for the last two decades. He's one of the best, you know, guards in the history of basketball, and he's been a starter since he came into the league uh, in 2005, <laughs> like almost 20 yeah. years ago. So like. It would have been a little surprising if he was just like, yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, like definitely come off the bench. But I think there's a chance for this to work and to be really, really like uh, like kind of a like a weird fit, but one that works out in a lot of ways. And I, I also can't wait to see uh, Chris and Steph, you know, play together. I think that's going to be has a chance to be really, really fun. I, can't, I just can't wait to see both Chris Paul and Draymond Green on the court together. Uh, just just <laughs> light, don't light a match. Uh, anywhere near that, Brendan. Uh, we'll close on this. I want make a list of the uh, the people or the teams or or players that Chris Paul doesn't have a prickly relationship with. <laughs> oh, I mean, he he seemed to get along really well with LeBron. LeBron, is, you know, that's been that's been a really interesting one, right? Like he, he's like, Wade. He's a guy that's like, hey, you know, he's done all the winning while Paul has not quite been able to get there, and they still have that good quality relationship. Yeah, the banana like, boat yeah. crew. Yeah, like he's he, you know, he might be. Look, Draymond, he's he, you know, him and him, him and LeBron have gotten into on the court, but right. I mean, on the court versus off the court for these guys is can well, be really, really different. To say nothing of, you know, if a guy has a, you know, a business or financial relationship, right. you know, with somebody, so like he gets, <laughs> you know, he gets along. Long pretty well, I would say, with like people outside of the competition. His thing has always been he can be tough on anybody he's playing against, or even sometimes people he's playing with. Yes, and you, we can't necessarily extrapolate that to oh, this is what he's like off, off court, right? I think I think we do a ton oh, no, of that. Th- this was all I mean? about on court, on court prickliness. Oh, yeah, uh, and I, I say mean, that, yeah. and I'm I'm very being very careful here. Shouts to my friend Julius Hodge. Uh, because you just have to be very careful of how you say that. Uh, we have to go. That's Brendan <laughs> Witted and Brian Geisinger. Uh, we used to, well, I, I was never part of the league pass layer. I was never allowed in. Uh, that's but, not true. That's not true. Well, that's, that's true. Not true You've been invited several times. I don't know what we're doing. I'm a married man. I can't go to the lair. Uh, <laughs> all right. That's Brendan Witted and Brian Geisinger. Uh, gentlemen, I appreciate it. This was fun. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Yeah, anytime, anytime. You got it. At H-U Cosell, at Guys underscore bird. Still on Twitter because I don't think either of them are on threads yet. So when I was looking to transfer, it was um, a lot of one-on-one, and it didn't feel like I got lost in a huge university because I knew that if I came here, there was going to be someone I could talk to about every aspect of the courses I needed to take, but also, too, I loved the smaller classroom sizes, and I liked how interactive and immersive all of the learning was going to be. It wasn't just going to be me sitting in a room with a couple hundred people and a professor who didn't know my name. To find out more about transferring to William Peace University, visit peace.edu.